Pulse podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode number 151. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? Uh, I'm all right. You're a little... You sound a little less sick than last week on Ryan Watch's movie. However, I am significantly more sick than last week. Fantastic. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to apologize in advance for how I sound and any unwanted noises that come out of my mouth during this episode. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a cornucopia of noises. <laughs> a lot of a lot of phlegmy coughs, sniffles. I want to take as much of that out as I can in post. So. Take it all out and then cut it together to oh, be you know, I was going to try to I was actually going to do that, try to do that last week with Ryan Watch's movie because I did cut a lot of them out, but <laughs> In the end, I was like, nah, not worth it. I have one question uh, for Ryan Watches the Movie, the last one. Did you keep his burp in? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> that was just too That was just too good, the way... Because <laughs> I think he was saying something when he did it. And he didn't even acknowledge no. it, which was the best part. Uh, neither of us acknowledged it either. We just laughed. We just both started laughing. Because I think he actually finally had something to say, and we didn't want to interrupt yeah. him. <laughs> oh, wonderful. You can go ahead and listen to that. That was on Ryan Watch's movie 149, came out last week. So listen, listen close, and you'll be able to hear Ryan burp as he's talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be reviewing the indie comedy Appropriate Behavior, which opened in limited release in VOD this weekend. Uh, we'll also be talking about Peter Strickland's The Duke of Burgundy, which comes out next weekend. And we're also going to be talking about some of what we've been watching. And of course, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Before we kick it off, uh, also remember you can send us your questions. Podcast at filmpulse.net is the address. Let's go ahead and talk about the Oscars. Let's have, let's have a quick Oscar Oscar <laughs> chat. Do we have this will be to? a little segment called Oscar Chat. Oscar Chat. A little fireside, fireside Oscar Chat. Fireside Oscar Chat. So Fantastic. I take yeah. it I take it that you have at least briefly looked over the nominees. I have yes, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts? I'm gonna see because we haven't talked about this. This is the first we're talking about our thoughts on these nominations. Yeah. So what yeah. what are your thoughts initially? My thoughts are the same thoughts as every year. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? But hey, I mean, I think more at this point more so at this, this point year, in time. Though. I'm not. Yeah, at this point in time, I'm not really surprised anymore. But it does seem odd because the last couple of years it seemed like they were finally like making this shift where they were they were making better choices and it was more I don't want to say overly diverse but they were at least starting to inch that way yeah and then this year it just went straight to like the most boring picks yeah. ever straight whitewashed it this year <laughs> oh my goodness I mean in their defense. Because I've heard no, numerous, numerous, numerous people talk about how there needs to be more diversity and, you know, all the performance nominations, they're all white and this and that. But yet I don't really hear anyone 
come out and say what should have been nominated outside of Oyelowo. Yeah, did get, I was just going to say. Robbed. I mean, come on. I was on. just going to say him. He got robbed, obviously. Um, Duvernay, because I I don't understand Morton Totem getting a best nope. director. I don't. I mean, anyone could have made that goddamn movie. Give me a break. I, <laughs> there is no, there is nothing special about that at all. I mean, that seemed like a jobber type. Yeah, deal. it was pretty by the numbers. Yes, extremely so. So out of those two, but you know, like people are saying, you know, more we're we're in best picture, more diversity, and I'm thinking, like, what would you nominate? Yeah, uh, like outside of Selma, what do you what do you have? Really? Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that it's not the Academy's fault if a lot of the strongest films of the year and strongest performances and, you know, strongest everything just happens to be from Caucasian people this year. But but I also will agree that Selma only getting two nominations uh, is ridiculous. And that totally shouldn't have happened. No. Uh, the Lego movie not getting nominated for Best Animated Film. Which, yeah, that one doesn't really, make any sense to Really me. pisses me off. Uh, I, I don't understand. I just don't understand how you can not it's n- at least nominate like, that they, movie. They animated Legos, okay? What other films have done? Like, you have Big Hero 6 in there, which, oh, great. Yeah, I say take Another that one out of those. put Lego in. Oh, my I mean, goodness. Big Hero 6 was fine. It wasn't a bad movie, but... When was the last time someone animated Legos besides Michelle Gondry's White Stripes video? Yeah, exactly. When, when was that done? I mean, I, I don't understand that at all. And uh, I, th- I was a little disappointed to see to not see A Most Violent Year get any kind of recognition at all. Anything. Anything. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> got, I don't... It got nothing. <laughs> Come on, man. I don't understand it. And it, some of these best pictures, like the theory of everything, American Sniper and the Imitation Game. Uh, well, I thought uh, I thought American Sniper uh, was getting... That, that just, what? Come on. I mean, the movie was fine, but... No, it wasn't. Best picture, it was terrible. I, I, was terrible. I don't think American Sniper was terrible. I just... I don't think that it was best picture material. No. I mean, I mean you got to keep in mind, too, that the Oscars, they only pick... From a small pool, which are the same types of films every year. It's just, I mean, we talked about it numerous times before. This is just a studio circle jerk. That's all it is. And then every year, once a year, they'll pick one person that gets to sit in the middle and catch. I think it's, I think it's complete BS. It's just, like, I, I mean, best picture. Okay, like we said, American Sniper, Imitation Game, Theory of Everything. All very bland by the numbers. Just come on, don't need to be in there. But then you give Bennett Miller best director, but don't throw Fox Catcher in best picture. Yeah, that's odd. I don't know. I don't. I don't understand this shit. I was then, surprised to see Whiplash get nominated for best picture. That was a surprise. And yet, Damien yeah, right. Chazelle's that's... not direct, not up for best director, which I can, I can kind of understand that he's, you know, a new director, so. I get it. I get it. I get it. You, then, you don't, have, you don't have as many Morton. best director spots th- as you do best picture spots. But then you throw Morton Tilden in there, which 
I, 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 I'm sorry that I keep bashing on Martin Tilden, but come on. <laughs> Anyone could have made that goddamn movie. Mm-hmm. And I love how, you know, the Oscars really don't pick any performances from foreign films. But the only the only time that they do is Cotillard. Like, she's the only one that's allowed to be yeah, they always... chosen for performance for a foreign film. No one else. I think it's because she's she's a crossover. She does American films, too. And I think and they that ne- they just so she, they love she, the fact that she classes it up. Yeah. But, I mean, this is just, it's so boring. These picks are just so boring. When you look at the the stats on the Academy and who is who it's compiled of, uh, it's pretty r- ridiculous. I think the the average age is 65 or something, and... They're nights like ninety three percent white men. Yeah, it's just I'm happy for best cinematography. I to get in in there. I'm happy for that. I am completely surprised by Roger Deakins Unbroken, which I shouldn't be because it's Deakins. But I mean, that was like some of his most uninspiring work. Yeah, and Dick Pope in Ugh. there for Mr. Turner, which I don't know if you saw, but when they were doing the announcements live uh the the lady that announced it said said dick poop (laughs) (laughs) dick Uh, and conan that night made fun of (laughs) made fun of oh my god that's hilarious (laughs) Uh, oh thank you thank you for doing that i mean best cinematography i'm i'm pretty much okay with except for unbroken and honestly i didn't think the cinematography blew my mind in mr turner there were a few scenes that i thought looked really good but i'd give it to selma over mr turner yeah i I mean i'm okay with dick poop being in there (laughs) but deacons yeah come on yeah deacons that's just i I like roger deacons but but they just go off the strength of names here like um meryl streep really like if she just pops up in a movie she's getting the best supporting her lead actress nomination yeah and that seems ridiculous granted i have not seen into the woods i just don't understand why she automatically gets a nomination because she's meryl streep she has to be there just make a thing called the meryl streep award and just give it to her every year (laughs) so she shows up (laughs) just call it the meryl streep was in a movie this year award (laughs) fucking give it to her I, I, I can't you can do wait. it right at the top of the show. Just get it out of the way. I can't wait until she starts doing little cameos and, and comedies and things and then gets nominated she, she, she for those. She up for like five seconds. Still gets a nomination. I, oh, God. I'll say that the... So the Critics' Choice Awards came out. They happened this week, too. And I don't know if you looked at, at those, but... No, I did. There's too many. <laughs> There's a awards. lot of awards happening, but when you look at the Critics' Choice Awards, I find them to be much more on point with their winners and their their nominees. Yeah. First of all, the Critics' Choice Awards recognize action and comedy films and mm-hmm. horror films too. There you go. Basically, just all genre. Which is something that that's, I've always complained about with the Oscars is that if you make a genre film, you're not getting nominated. No, you're not. no, you're not. And even if you put in an unbelievable performance like Essie Davis in The Babadook, 
You're not getting anything because it's a horror yeah. movie. Under the skin? Where's that on here? Nowhere. Uh, nowhere. I mean, what? Uh, score? Yeah. Score? Cinematography? Nothing? Okay. Nothing? Cool. No. Right, okay. Nothing. Just Roger Deakins with that overhead shot of a plane shadow. Yeah. Oh boy, give it to him. Give it to him. Uh, him so good man he did it. Oscar. So good he did it twice. I mean, goodness. And I mean, we've talked about this numerous times. Again, I just want, I want one awards. I don't care what the hell it is, what the title of it. We're just all films are on the same playing field. You know, domestic, foreign films, everything performance you just throw it all together and it's just based on who who gives the best performance who cares if it's in a horror movie who cares if it's in a comedy i don't i don't care i would just love everything to see on that. this i would love to see that it would be fantastic but it's never going to happen no and the oscars are just the worst mm-hmm. i agree I, just, I think ugh. i think are you even are you even going to watch this year because i did mm, probably watch this shit. i'm probably not I'll, what I'll probably do is because we usually post up the results right away, right after it airs on the site. Yeah. So I'll probably be paying attention to it just to just, just write to get it, everything. Write it now and just put for like best director, just put the white person, <laughs> best actor, another white person. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm gonna do. Or just it's just a post that says a bunch of white people won awards last night. That would be funny. There you go. It's take care of it. Doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. Because what do you think? Who do you think's gonna get best picture? What do you, What do you think's gonna win best picture? Birdman or Boyhood? That's what I say too. Birdman or Boyhood? It'll probably go to Boyhood. I don't know. I don't know about that. We'll We'll see how the. Uh, I know that the the Directors Guild nominations came out this week too, and normally the winner of that, the director, uh, mm-hmm. their movie tends to win for uh the oscar as well yeah which is another thing i don't like seems like all this is based up or based upon like leading up to the oscars like who's winning golden globes who's winning critics choice award and this and that and they sort of decide from there yeah i just don't care i don't care anymore i wonder when the voting has to be done you know what i mean because don't you think that it would be influential if the results of the Golden Globes, the Critics' Choice Awards, all those came out before the Academy voted for the winner? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when they vote for these things. I'm not sure. Because sometimes it seems like they're deliberately trying to go against the grain. You know, if, for instance, if Boyhood wins every award, like, Golden Globe, Critics' Choice, all of these, and then the Oscars come on and it goes to the imitation game, you know? <laughs> I kind of hope, that's kind of what I'm hoping for this year with the Oscars. I just hope that it's all, like, terrible, terrible yeah, choices. Yeah, I hope that it's just a complete <laughs> mishmash of everything. Like, I hope American Sniper wins Best Picture. Morton Tilden wins Morton for Best Picture. wins Best Picture. <laughs> That's that's what I want to see. Yeah, but I don't. I don't care. Well, there you have it. We're so excited! Yay! Those are the Oscars. Oscars. They'll be airing live on ABC Sunday, February twenty second. If you're interested, I'm sure that it's going to be an amazing show. Do something else, please. Just go out to dinner or something. 
Well, let's move on to a movie that I actually quite quite liked a lot. Uh-oh. And that's Appropriate Behavior. This is written and directed and stars Desiree Akavan. And I have a synopsis here. Shirin is struggling to become an ideal Persian daughter, politically correct, bisexual, and hip young Brooklynite, but fails miserably in her attempt at all identities. Being without a cliche to hold on to can be a lonely experience. Kevin, actually, oh. you wrote the review for this, so I'll start. Jesus, that was emphatic. It was. It was. It was intense. It was intense. Was, okay. Um, all right. Like I said, I, I did like this movie quite a lot. Uh, I thought it was really funny. It was really smartly written. I liked all the performances. I This is my kind of comedy, where it's uh, a very dry comedy, a lot of dry humor mm-hmm. in this, and all the humor is just based around dialogue and interaction between the characters. And yes. I thought that, that uh, Desiree Akavan was fantastic in this without a doubt and i would say that if you're a fan of lena dunham's work either in girls or in um tiny furniture then this is certainly one to check out because there's a lot of similarities this is like an iranian version of girls oh yeah and actually i don't know much about girls well you you saw tiny furniture it's I don't I barely remember that movie though, to be honest. Girls I just and... remember there being tiny furniture <laughs> and Lena Dunham has sex in like a like a tube. And that's pretty much street. yeah, and that's pretty much girls. <laughs> Desiree Akavan is actually gonna be on girls this season, so Oh, that's a bummer. That's definitely gonna be the similarities are there between those characters. That's a bummer though. I'd like to see her stuff. I want to see more of her. Well, I'm sure that that's something. I'm sure that we will. I I don't know if she's gonna be. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I hope that like doesn't major take up character. too much of her time. Better not take up her time because I thoroughly enjoyed this. I look forward to more. Same here. So, what are your what are your thoughts? <laughs> what are your thoughts? You're done with your thoughts? I it's gave my shit. I gave my initial yeah, thoughts. Yes, I did. I said just, I said performances were, like were good. I said girls that it was my kind of comedy. It was smartly written. Okay, those I are my, those are my initial this. thoughts. Then you give your oh, initial okay. thoughts, and then we have a back and forth about it. Okay, I, I'm sorry, I kind of forgot how this worked. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ, Kevin! <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't make me laugh. Oh, oh God, uh, I agree with a lot of what you said. I thought the, the her central performance was fantastic. Uh, the supporting cast too, surprisingly, very strong. And I gotta say, I was kind of surprised by the her ability to weave together the two storylines using the flashbacks and everything. And mm-hmm. I thought it was very interesting that both of because you have two going on. You have her and her relationship with Maxine, played by Rebecca Henderson, who does a great job. Yep. And just their relationship falling apart. And then you have the present time storyline of her trying to move on, but at the same time trying to win her back. But also try and move on from the relationship. Right, and she's also trying to further her career too. She's kind of lost when it comes to her yeah, job and everything. Also, she's just a mess. This breakup wrecked her. So, and I like the fact that she was able to weave the two together so well, and it just moves seamlessly from each 
timeline. And I, I found it really interesting to have both of them start and finish at the same exact place, but just in a different mood, mm-hmm. which I quite liked. But like you said, too, the, I, I do enjoy the comedy. It wasn't, I mean, I wasn't like laughing out loud throughout the entire film, but I just, I found it humorous and I enjoyed myself. I was it's just, it's like a, it's like a fun, I think yeah, there's a couple of times that I laughed out loud, but it wasn't like a, oh my God, I'm rolling on the floor No, for 90 minutes. No, I wouldn't say it was a laugh ride, but I laughed quite a bit. Yeah, and it did a really good job of mixing in like the more emotional scenes, mm-hmm. which is always kind of tough because a lot of times when they, you know, when you mix in the emotional stuff and they try and go for that that side of the plot line, you know, they usually people usually forget about the humor. Yeah, it sort of dies off, and you're like, okay, I was I thought I was watching a comedy. But here she did a really fantastic job of mixing the two and keeping the humor infused with the emotional scenes. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I just love the way the way that, uh, you know, her, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, so you can adjust accordingly. But when she finally comes out to her mother, oh yeah, just the way that that's handled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I thought was like, I just, I, I enjoyed that immensely. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, so the ending is so anticlimactic. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's designed. It's just, designed to be that way, I believe. Yeah, and it just fits in so well with the rest of the movie. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say uh, more than what you just said. I liked Haley Pfeiffer's character of Crystal. She's kind of the the best friend character, the wild the wild and crazy best friend character, but she was really she was funny. Like the the scene when they were underwear shopping and there that was that, the best that, scene the time. That, that sequence between where it kept cutting back and forth <laughs> between her and the lady, the, the, the shop owner uh, was so yeah. funny to me. <laughs> just looking just at the their look, faces the look on her face. and how her, the look on her face was just gradually changing. <laughs> That was just so funny. Uh, I did. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that immensely. That was a great scene. There's a lot of awkward comedy in this too. So if you're into the the awkward moments of girls, especially the awkward sexual stuff that happens in girls, there's yeah. there's plenty of that going on in this. The <laughs> the the, <laughs> the scene when she meets up with the couple. I thought that that whole sequence just was the, you know yeah the guy says that he has a latex suit and she just and she laughs that out laugh right in his face <laughs> and i think she said something like that sounds awful yes and and that just yes. that killed it that killed it, killed the whole he, thing yeah that just man that really pissed him off for some reason yeah and then the three-way gets really awkward oh my and the date that she goes on with the lawyer <laughs> i love it when she's like can i have a sip and she pours the whole thing on her face <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in this one. I mean, yeah, the oh, what was I gonna say? I also her the job that she gets, the filmmaking mm-hmm. job to try and bounce back, and you know she thinks she's gonna be working with teenagers, and they're six years old, six years old, yeah, <laughs> and they want nothing to do. Uh, and I love the the movie that she ends up making with them about the farts, and I loved how. That was shown right after the advanced class. 
Yes, and the advanced class is a funny take on uh, uh, my Deeren's at land experimental short. You know, it's made with like what twelve-year-old girls. Mm-hmm. It's so ridiculous. And then hers follows, and that just that kid waking up with his top hat and his yeah. beard and saying, "I can't fart." <laughs> 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 oh, I don't know why that makes me laugh, but uh, kids are funny. Yeah, oh, God. yeah, I like that. Um, I thought that the the whole new roommate situation when she had to re- move into the the new apartment, her weird roommates. There was a there was a really funny line where oh, what did she say? The the roommate said something about her her taxid. Oh, she goes, "Oh, you're on OK Cupid." That's how my taxidermist found his wife or whatever. <laughs> that was funny, that line. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in here. There's a lot of New York comedy, too, poking fun at <laughs> the Brooklyn lifestyle and all of that, which, again, is very much like girls. Yeah, but it's all just taken from Woody Allen, really. Yeah, of course. But just a different, different, you know little twist on it i mean it's, it's more updated yeah it's woody allen for a new generation i mean it, it, yeah. it's clearly aimed at 20 somethings living in new york and but i i don't i don't know why but i must say that i wasn't as irritated with her character like i normally am with you know 20 somethings that well, are kind of aimless well, that's and... the big difference between her and lena dunham as as characters uh she is much more quiet and understated and her humor is a lot more dry whereas lena dunham is more uh boisterous and kind of silly with her with her style i think they're both effective in their own way but with desiree akavan i think she her comedy style is just a a little bit different than lena dunham's I think I lead more towards the Ackman. Yeah, Ackman side. I think for the team. For the team, can we go team, team Ackman? <laughs> can we start that? I don't know if there's a need to pick pick sides here, but I'm gonna start it. I started it. I think so. that they're both very talented young women, and I think that they both have great careers ahead of them. And I really hope that Lena Dunham finishes up with girls soon, so she can go back to movies. You think she will? I hope so. I think she should. We'll see. We'll see. Especially because she's all, uh, she works with Apatow a lot, so I think that they could definitely do something. I want. I want to see her direct another movie. Okay. It doesn't necessarily yeah. have to star her either. Yeah, that would probably be good. I think so. Might be. Is it starting to be Dunham Overkill? I have no idea. I don't. I haven't watched Dunham. Mm, Dunham. Maybe a little bit. Maybe maybe a little bit. I think that. Girls is so much like Tiny Furniture that I would like to see her try something else, but... Well, that's why I gotta say with Akavan, I'm kind of... I'm really looking forward to something, because, like I said, she handles the emotional stuff so well that I could see her making, you know, more emotional dramas that aren't steeped heavily in comedy, and I think she would still do a fantastic job of it. Yeah, I think so. Based off of this film. Yeah, I think so, too. So it's gonna be interesting to see I look forward to it. There you have it. Appropriate behavior. Do you have any final thoughts on this one? I do not, no. 
check it out. It is playing in limited release and video on demand right now, so you can see it wherever you are. I'm going to go ahead and give this a 7 out of 10. Oh my god, that's what I give it. Yeah, I saw that in your review. Oh, so you just stole it from me. No, I actually rated it on Letterboxd weeks ago. Weeks. Oh, I stole it from So you. really, you stole just, it from me. Damn it, you found out. Yep. Should have kept my mouth shut. There you have it. Let's move on to our next film, The Duke of Burgundy. This is directed by Peter Strickland, who did Berberian Sound Studio a couple years ago. I have a synopsis here. A woman who studies butterflies and moths tests the limits of her relationship with her lover. Uh, this is opening in theaters next weekend. Now, I already I have a review written for this. It's not up yet. It'll, it'll go up later this week. So we'll start with you, Kevin. What did you think of the Duke of Burgundy? Uh, stop saying things in a weird voice. <laughs> Why? You make me laugh, and then all this phlegm comes up, and then uh, I got to bounce back, and it's tough work. Um, I was really excited for this. I really enjoyed Barbarian Sound. What was it? Sound Studio? Yeah. Okay. I enjoyed that. I was looking forward to this one. Everyone's giving it like five stars. So, cool. I was raring ready to go. Gotta say, it's kind of disappointing. I, it's it's a solid movie. It just didn't wow me in any way. I just thought, like, yeah, that was that was pretty good. I mean, the performances are strong. The cinematography's good. Uh, I think Strickland just spends entirely too much time on the entire insect angle that he's going for with the butterflies and the moss. I, I mean, I don't know how many shots there are just pin butterflies and moths. I'm okay it with that. It just really didn't really add anything to it. I did like towards the end that he seems to do like an homage to Brackage's moth flight, which I found interesting to just throw that in at the end. I'm not sure exactly how that tied into the film, but I liked it nonetheless. But for me, it was just a, I don't know, you know, it was a bit repetitive, even though it was, it seems like that's what he was going for. It was kind of, you know, cyclical. Yeah, it was like, it was like Groundhog Day, sort of. <laughs> It's but the same thing over and over. I mean, it started off interesting because you're seeing it from, you know, you do the first sequence. Yeah. Where you're not entirely sure what's going on. Yeah, you think that you think that the the uh the older woman, uh, Cynthia is in charge. You think that she's the one and you think that she's this kind of cuz you don't you she's, don't realize at first that that it's, no, that it's just, a, a role-playing thing. Yeah. You think that and it's, then it, this is really what's happening. And then you you know, they redo it again with you know some more information so it's in better context for you and you see it again and then it just keeps going through and through and it starts off very interesting and then towards the end it's i don't i don't know it just kind of ran out of steam for me a little bit i did find it interesting throughout the you know the whole how this relationship works and she's kind of forced into her role and she's trying her best but at the same time you can tell that she's just She's kind of getting tired yeah. of it. Because, you know, Evelyn's asking for the same thing over and over again. It's kind of like, you have a very particular fetish, but yet you don't like to switch it up at all. Well, eventually... It keeps being the same role-playing. Yeah, eventually she does try to switch it up, but makes things much more extreme than I know, previous. like, what, what would have happened if she just would have bought the human toilet? How have things been different? You I, know, I, I don't know. It would have. It probably would have worked out so much better for them if, if if only they got that human toilet. If only. 
<laughs> if if only. only. Or if they could get the... What were they... They were looking for a special bed that you could put her in inside the bed, right? Yeah, so the other person would sleep on top of them. Yeah, maybe if they got that built, if they agreed to build that quicker, she, she more quickly. She just couldn't wait, though. She just couldn't wait. Yeah. I mean... So... So I loved this movie. I thought that this movie, I was so into this movie from from the opening titles, I knew that this was going to be my kind of movie. Now, I'm not really well versed in these 60s, 70s uh euro sexploitation films. I'm not and I do I do want to go start watching some of these that like the uh like Jess Franco's films. Yeah, because uh, this was heavily influenced by all of those, so I, I kind of want to see where those influences are coming from. But as far as the look, this it was really the visuals that did it for me in this movie. I thought that everything looked amazing. I loved the the house that they lived in. Yeah. Oh my god. Amazing the location. The location for this film is fantastic. Yeah, everything looks amazing in this movie the the uh the outdoor scenes where there's that just lush overgrowth of foliage everywhere and even the scenes when they have their uh moth and butterfly discussions just the how Which, that how that was all framed i, I just love that there's random random mannequins, mannequins. yeah what <laughs> <laughs> they're doing that pan at the beginning of the movie, just from right to left, and you just spot the first one. You're like, "Oh, there's a mannequin on the back. That's weird. Was was that a mannequin?" And then it goes a little bit further. And you're like, "Oh, there's another mannequin. Yeah. What? What the hell's up with the mannequins?" Yeah, very very bizarre. This this is. A biz- I love that they never come back to it. No, <laughs> no, they never they never explain it. They also never explain why there's no men in this movie. This is an entirely female driven film. There are no men in it whatsoever. Yeah, and they never really explain like what Nope, they don't explain that. They never they never talk about the living, the living situation. Like is this a museum? Like well, I it's an institution, a school, what Yep, they never say they, they never say that. The they never tell you where the film is located. You have no idea. People have different accents. You you never get a sense of where this is taking place or even when it's taking place. They never give you a straight answer as far as the time period either yeah which i liked because to me this played out like sort of a sort of a fairy tale movie and it didn't none of that stuff really mattered within the context of the narrative so for me i like the fact that these there are all these questions of what's what's the point of any of this and there's so many things that you don't know the answer to in this movie but it, like the butterfly and moth imagery too. There is no, there was seemingly no point to that. I mean, the only, the only thing, because there, there had to be a point to it. You know. Well, I, I don't think you would put that in so heavily. I hate to, the only thing I can think of is the cyclical nature of insects, their lifespans, and tying that together with relationship. Because at one point they are, they have that final discussion about, you know. I forget what moth it is that buries into the ground or whatever to hold out for winter. And then the place shuts down for Mm -hmm. winter. And that's exactly the same time that Cynthia and Evelyn's relationship starts to kind of fall apart and it essentially goes dormant. Right. And then it kind of pops up, pops up again at the end there 
where they sort of go right back to what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Even though you can tell Cynthia's not, it seems like she's back into it, but you're not really sure. And I'm imagining that that was kind of springtime. Yeah, she was... It was kind of flourishing again, yeah. but yet they're doing the same exact thing, same role-playing that they've always done. Uh, I, I do have a quote here from the director regarding the, the insects. Okay. Uh, he says, quote, The first draft didn't have them. There's no intended metaphors there, although I'm sure you could find some if you force it. <laughs> but it was mainly to provide a texture for the whole thing. Again, it's part of that decadent atmosphere. I tried to keep it back as much as possible when people start searching for some sort of metaphor that impedes the enjoyment somehow. There's an element to Evelyn's fantasies that is so precise everything is listed. There's that aspect. Due to circumstance, we couldn't shoot earlier or later than September, which at first felt pointless given that most insects would be absent. However, we had no choice. But during the last pre-shoot draft, I really came around to the melancholy of all the insects dying, emigrating, or hibernating. This long, deep sleep of the mole crickets in an underground tomb caught the atmosphere of both Evelyn's desires and also the, uh, the aspect of their relationship. Okay. But otherwise, entomology is what these characters do. It's their backdrop without any need for explicit metaphors or connections. So you're just so essentially what he's saying is just filling this movie with a shit ton of filler with all of his shooting of moths and whatnot. Well, he also butterflies. He also says that uh, I guess he says quote I guess the big influence was uh, Jean Panlave's Nature Films, where you present it as some sort of document, but in reality you're doing something that's alluding to something more poetic. Okay. It kind of sounds like he he just wanted it in there and he's not sure what it's there for. Oh, I think that <laughs> he be quite, like he said in the in the quote it said that he, that's just what they do. That's just what yeah. they're into and they they live this kind of decadent lifestyle that allows them to do nothing but role play all day and talk about moths and butterflies. Which I also totally found out all those butterflies. moths and butterflies were, were fake. They didn't use any real moths or butterflies. Well, I could tell with that one that he kept showing that shot of the, the one flying. Yeah, but I mean like the, the ones the... on the the boards and stuff. Pinned. The pinned ones. Oh, really? Yeah. Those were all created by hand. They looked really Ooh. good. Fantastic work to whoever did that. Good work. Um, I, There were... The, the one kind of quibble i had with this is that there were at least two false endings that by my count or at least endings that i parts that i thought the movie was going to be over and it continued on and i don't know why that kind of bothered me a little bit because there was the first time that it happens it seemed like a really good place to end the movie and then it just kept it kept going on yeah, and th- that bothered me a-, a little bit, but other than that, yeah, I, I have very, very little uh, negative criticisms to say about this movie. It is, I do enjoy that. It, you know, essentially, it's just a relationship story. Now, you know, relationships become stale. Yeah, exactly. And you, you know, you kind of got to work through it. But in 
what he houses it inside of, you know, an S and M type role playing lesbian. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> just makes everything hilarious. That's the other thing I wanted to mention. So, with his last film, Barbarian Sound Studio, he was drawing influence from giallo, Italian giallo films of the sixties and seventies, and those movies are are normally very violent, very graphic, very sexual in nature, yet. In Barbarian Sound Studio, there was no violence at all in that movie. There wasn't tons of blood and gore. It was all kind of implied. It was all, it was all yeah. off screen. And he did the same thing with The Duke of Burgundy, where uh, typically those movies that, that he's drawing influence from are very sexually explicit and are kind of crossing, crossing lines. And in this movie... There are some really explicit things that happen, but you don't see any of them. There's no nudity no, in this movie at all, and which is something I like. The way that, I like the way that, that he, he does shot that. some of them, I I enjoyed too because I really wasn't, to be honest, going into it. I was like, I just I don't really feel like seeing this. For no, I was not interested. You know yeah. I, mean? <laughs> I I was interested in the it just because it was Peter Strickland, but reading the synopsis. For this, I was not really no. into it. I was like, oh, it sounds like a period piece about two lovers not interested. But then I saw the trailer, and I was like, okay, this looks pretty weird. I'm on board. I didn't really, uh, I'm kind of on the fence of the way those were shot, too. I thought that, I thought that they but were they, really it good. It was so like kind of through the glass. Yeah, it was like this kind of... So it was like reflect, re- yeah. refracted imagery, so it was kind of like three layered on top of each other. I don't know. I like that. Again, again, I liked it at first, but then, you know, like the fourth time around, it's kind of like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, but I was get I was it. okay with that, though. And the, the way that they handled the some of the really kind of graphic stuff with the... I don't know if I should say or if I should keep it a secret, but there's, there's some... Uh, one. Per- we already talked about human toilets. I mean, come on. Well, there's... Okay, so just to go along with that, there's some pissing involved. And when... They deal I, with those scenes. I like how they deal with those. I thought it was extremely funny that, you know, the second time that that's shown, that that was kind of like their erectile dysfunction, was that she wasn't able to pee. <laughs> She's, like, trying to help her. <laughs> I just oh, don't... God. The whole time I was watching it, I was just trying mm. to wrap my head around how this works for her. You know, she just she likes people to be extremely cold to her. And I just didn't I just I understand that people are into this, but I was really struggling because I guess for me, it would be really difficult for me to actually believe that this is real, especially because it's so scripted. You know, the yeah, well, yeah, the, she the, has like complete control over the precise steps that you go yeah, through. She, it's like if she really wanted to be dominated uh, then why doesn't she just tell Cynthia, like, I'm going to come over at this time. You do whatever you want. Just make sure you dominate me, humiliate me, do all this stuff. Well, it's funny because she inadvertently gets exactly what she wants by, you know, through that right. betrayal. Right. Yeah. And she becomes extremely cold to her all the time, kind of like surprising her. And you would think that, like, holy shit, this is your dream come true, Evelyn. But it doesn't quite work out that way. But it always it always seems like Evelyn is actually the one in control. You know oh, what I yeah, mean? It, it could is. it could even be the opposite 
thing where oh, she yeah. she likes the fact that she has this much power over this woman because they said in the beginning that she was kind of infatuated with her because of I guess her knowledge with the the butterflies and all of that. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's all that's all shown in that sort of second to last, you know, where they're doing the role playing for what like the sixth or seventh time and Cynthia's just like breaking down. Mhm. You know, yeah. Evelyn definitely has complete control in this. Yeah. And Cynthia's just getting old. And she just doesn't feel like doing it anymore. Now, what did you think of the the performances? I thought the performances were strong. This is the the woman that plays Evelyn, Chiara Diana. It's only her second role. Yeah. She, and wasn't the other one? Yeah, for Barbarian Sound, Sound Stu- Studio. So she did, I thought she did a really good job for it only being her second movie. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah, both of them. Yeah, and, and uh, Sid say Babbitt Knudsen? Knudsen? She did a great job, too. Yeah, she did a fantastic job. With Cynthia. There's the, another thing, that, and this is just, this is completely personal quibble that I'm not taking into account for this movie. Too much fucking harpsichord. See, I lo- I'm a big fan she of the harpsichord, so oh I was God. all about it. How the fuck can anyone like a harpsichord? I love the harpsichord. We should burn what, every what about, single harpsichord in the world. What about uh, like Mark Mothersball's scores on Rushmore? Uh, and oh, you're a dick. That's, that's a fine use like of a harpsichord there, buddy. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, you got me. You got me. Oh, my. I'll, I'll concede that one. You win, son of a bitch. I mean, were you were you impressed with the the visuals? Because I fucking loved the way this movie looked. I'll say it again. I liked them. I liked them up until a point. You know, I wasn't uh, I wasn't blown away by them, but it was enough to to kind of hold my interest throughout. I think I just I think it became a bit too repetitive to for me after a while. I can you know, see like, that. Oh. I mean, I, I can definitely see why some people may say that this does get repetitive because it is the same thing day in day out but for me it didn't bother me because that was their lives that was what they did so for me but i can i can totally understand why that would bother some people that see this but yeah it it didn't bother me so i i like this quite a bit and pretty strong start to 2015 oh yeah for me at least all right uh the duke of burgundy what are you going to score this one out of 10? I'm going to give this a 7 as well. I am going to give this an 8 out of 10. Ooh. Yeah. Like I said, Goodness. I have very little negative to say about this. If you're... I think it just goes back to me being a fan of these uh, old exploitation films. I, I, like, I, can... I like what Strickland's doing with these genres yeah i i can see that so yeah it, yeah it should be noted that i i am completely ignorant to most of the films i guess that he's pulling inspiration from yeah and and i could be completely wrong with the moth light thing but it, i it, it could be was pretty much exactly like brackage's moth light could be but just you know different different execution the same look so the Duke of Burgundy is going to be on VOD and in limited release on Friday. So be sure to check that out. All right, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. We'll just we'll just uh, breeze through 
couple things. Do you have any highlights? From the highlights? <clears throat> I checked out, this was a little while back, but I want to discuss it with you anyways. Checked out Black Caesar, the black exploitation movie mm-hmm. from I, 1973. Yeah, I've never saw this one. Never have I either. And I didn't know that this was Larry Cohen. I didn't know that huh. going in. Had no idea. So I, I the the excitement level jumped up a little bit. I was already excited to see Black Caesar. I've been wanting to see it ever since um, listening to Camp Low as a kid. And then I find out it's Larry Cohen. I'm like, oh, shit, this is going to be fantastic. And it starts off strong. It just, it's it's energetic. It's got, it. the score is James Brown doing songs just for the movie. So it has great soundtrack, except for there's one song towards the middle that's just really ridiculous and kind of like lays on the exposition mm. for some reason. Like it's just a shot of like two guys in a in a graveyard and you're like, oh, what's what's going on now? And then James Brown just comes home. He's like, mama's dead. Yeah. And you're like, oh, OK, <laughs> mama died. Gotcha. That was subtle. Starts off strong. Uh, Fred Williamson does a fantastic job as Tommy Giggs, Tommy Gibbs. He's this, uh, he's a shoeshine boy that sort of works his way up. He gets beat up by a cop, breaks his leg, goes to jail, comes out, and decides that he wants to take over the organized crime in New York City and does so ruthlessly. And it's just fantastic the way that it all comes together. Now it starts to drag a little bit once he finally does get to the top and then he kind of gets consumed by greed and he just assumes everyone should be you know, blindly loyal to him. It's sort of his undoing. But man, the ending to this movie is just brutal. I thought it would be pretty pretty special. But when you actually see it unfolding on screen before you, it's pretty shocking hmm. how brutal this is. And then it goes a little bit further after that and just a fantastic ending. Just, I mean, the ending of this movie really makes up for it. I want to tell you what it is, but well, I'll, I'll, I want you to see yeah. it. Yeah. There's uh there's a number of black exploitation films I have on my watch list and this is and this is definitely one of them. I mean it's a, it's rough around the edges. It's Larry Cohen, one of his early films. Fred Williamson does an unbelievable job as Tommy Gibbs and the way that they sort of pre- or uh depict his character is really interesting because he's not you don't really root for the guy. He's really unlikable and he does some sick stuff in this movie. So he's kind of, you know, he's like the anti-hero where yeah. at first you're kind of rooting for him because he's fighting against the racism and everything. But then he turns into this like huge dick, sort of like Walter White style. And you're just like, I don't like you at all. Yeah, that's how a lot of those those uh, it's, movies turned out. Yeah, it's it's solid. Like movies Plus movies they, where the main character is a pimp, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, or a drug dealer. Yeah, because like halfway through this, he just he rapes his girlfriend, and you're like, God damn, I don't want to watch you yeah, anymore. That's kind of shitty. Yeah, uh, I saw Dear White People. Hey, I saw that too. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, I liked it. Tandem. I I guess maybe I just th- it was really hyped up for me, and maybe if I saw it before I started getting all amped up for it, I would have liked it more. But I still I still liked it. I just wasn't blown away by it it probably wouldn't have landed on my top 20 but i still thought it was you know very socially relevant i thought it was really funny at at times 
yeah. It wasn't from the trailer. They make it out to be way more goofy than it really is. Yes, I. Yeah, exactly. This was not what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be more of a comedy satire, but it's more of like a drama. Yeah, it's not nearly as heavy as. I thought it was going to be kind of a college screwball comedy, but dealing with uh, what it's like for modern black people in college. And, and it's not really, doesn't really go there. I mean, it, it certainly pokes fun at a lot of the things that, that, that happen in college, especially Ivy League schools. And yeah, but uh, I, th- yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny in spots, yeah. especially especially the ridiculousness of black mitch yeah <laughs> i'm from from vermont the west side the west side of vermont <laughs> oh god but i also i was surprised because i thought it was going to be more just you know poking fun at white people which i'm all for but i was kind of surprised that you know they they go after they everybody go after everybody which i think that they that's it almost seems and it almost seems like they're a little more critical with black people than white people i mean you have the huge infraction of the party which is big and disgusting and true and a true story yeah which is i didn't know that there was um like the the black people parties because i knew about the mexican one where because that happened at penn state so i heard about that one but i didn't know about the other like three or four that they show at the end of the film which what the fuck but you know how everyone's just trying to like fit in and they're just not really being themselves which was more of what i saw the film saying well plus, the message that it was trying to get across plus the, we, you have to remember that the, the main character is sort of uh the the main character is sort of really against white people too so it i think yeah, that, but she's, I think so she's kind focus, of thrust into it i think that the focus like you said it kind of uh, pokes more fun at black people in this situation. I think that the main one of the main reasons is because of who the main character is and you know what she's trying to to rally against. But also, you got to remember, I'm not going to give it away. There's more to that party than a bunch of white people deciding to be racist. And I think that oh, yeah, what, yeah. what happens to to cause that party is you know, that's a big thing in this movie. Yeah, I thought it was just more poking fun at people, how how hard people try to just like fit in. Like at one point, the when uh, that one side character, or whatever, was like, "Oh, I read Ebony and Ivy," and she's like, "You know, can you explain the Oofta nose job?" I forget what exactly what it was, and she sort of says, "You know, like how some black people will black it up around white people, and then other ones will try and soften their edges and." <laughs> Just the woman's response of like, why not just be yourself? Which I thought was more of like the message of this movie is just like, stop trying to be something that you're not. Yeah. Just be yourself. Because all of them are, all of them are doing it. Right. Because I, I, I think Everyone. that what we see in this movie is uh, extreme versions of specific personality types in this oh, environment. Yeah. And I think that each each personality type portrayed in the movie has their own faults. And I think a lot of what the movie's trying to say is just, just be yourself and be cool to everyone. You know, don't be, just be cool, don't, if you see, if you see a black person, don't try to touch their hair. Don't. Yeah. Which I've never 
Like, I didn't know that was a thing. Like, is that really a thing? I I think it apparently, is a thing, yeah. Apparently, it's a thing, but I just... I learned a lot well, from this movie. Well, I also I never... Say. Like, I didn't know that a lot of these things happened. I also didn't really know about how Ivy League schools worked as far as the... How um, segregated they are as far as... They're very cliquish, you know what I mean? They they have their own groups, oh, and it's and it's sort of like they're yeah. But Ivy League schools seem to be more egregious in doing that because of the different houses and stuff, which is something that I mean I didn't go to an Ivy League school, so I ne- I don't really I didn't really know how that worked and how that functioned. Yeah, and I thought that that was uh, interesting to see how you're all vying for the best house and then there's that one house that's all the black people which was funny because you you might think that the goal would be to not put all the black people in one house but in this movie they want that yeah i mean do you, i mean do you want to hang around with a bunch of people that you don't you don't really share interest with yeah exactly you do oh you no, do you i'm don't. saying yes and i agree with what you're saying i mean i can see that just i would either way i would suggest checking this out this comes out on dvd and blu-ray i think in a week or two very very soon i think we'll have a a blu-ray review for this up i believe so check it out very very strong debut from uh justin yeah really strong debut and i thought the performances were really good in this yeah Fantastic performances. The only thing, again, is that to get the the whole uh, like the text stuff popping up. Uh, okay. I wasn't bothered, and, and by I know that. that that's that's gonna be the goddamn future with the all of our movies now. That's gonna be incorporated some way somehow. But man, it irritates me. So I don't understand what it adds. It doesn't add anything. Well, I think that it's just a lot of it's just showing what they're texting each other. Yeah, I don't think you need to do that. Because what they're texting each other is never, like, important. Not to them it is. I guess. To them it is. To them it's everything. It's everything and all things. Yep. Dear white people, check it out. Check it. You got anything else? No, not really. Unless you got some stuff. Um, there was one other one I wanted to mention, uh, and that's Giuseppe Makes a Movie. Okay. I don't know I when this is. In this one. I don't know when this is coming out. Uh, I was able to see it. Uh, a screening of it here. Very odd. If you're into Harmony Corinne, now have you seen? Do you know who um, Giuseppe Andrews is? Are you familiar with him? Um, I don't think so. He's a, he was an, an actor. He was in a ton of movies. He was in Independence Day. He was in. Um, Wait, he looks very familiar. Yeah, he was in Detroit Rock City. He was in Cabin Fever. He was in Pleasantville. Um, I'm sure, there's someone missing. I think I might remember him. American History X. He was in that. I think I remember him from Detroit Rock City. He was one of the main, yeah, one of the main kids in Detroit Rock City. Yes. Well, uh, the director of Detroit Rock City, Adam Rifkin, made this documentary called Giuseppe Makes a Movie, which uh, kind of just goes goes around while Giuseppe Andrews makes a movie, and <laughs> as the title implies, and uh, so. <laughs> He doesn't act. He doesn't really act anymore. I think he acts in some of his own movies, but he basically lives in a trailer park and 
puts together these very, very, very cheap movies. I think uh, all his movies cost $1,000 to make. And he uses homeless people and people that live in the trailer park that he lives in and makes these very strange, absurd, low-budget movies on video. I would liken it to Harmony Corinne or uh, John Waters. Okay. A lot of them are very bizarre and contain some kind of gross imagery at times, but still very interesting to see his process and and what he what he just what he does to make these movies. And he is a very interesting person. He's really funny, but he's also very articulate. And it seems like it just seems odd that he put himself <laughs> this is- in this environment. Is this is what he's doing. Yeah, it it just seems very weird, but it's a funny movie. It's very entertaining. Uh, at I'm times, gonna, it does get pretty gross. I want to see this. It does contain senior citizen nudity and dead pigs. Okay, kind of par for the course with the names that you mentioned. I've seen. I've only seen one of Giuseppe Andrews' movies, uh, and that was. One called Touch Me in the Morning. Okay. And it's fine. A lot of <laughs> a lot of his movies end up on Troma. Troma put out a whole bunch they they put out a bunch of his movies. Okay. Alright. And they're just these kind of weird little uh just these weird little stories. They sound interesting. They're certainly not for everyone, I'll tell you that. No. Not for everyone? Are you sure? No, they're just the one okay, so the movie that I should watch these with my mom. Right? Oh yeah, is what you're saying. Absolutely, yeah, fantastic. Absolutely, he the the movie that he's making in this in this documentary is one called Garbanzo Gas. I'm in already, and it's about a a cow who the slaughterhouse yes. lets the cow go on a vacation day, and he yes decides to go and stay at a hotel. Awesome. For the day. And the cow is played by this guy. I think his name was Vietnam Ron or something. And this guy, yes. he, he looks like a homeless guy. He's just, I don't think he is technically homeless, but he looks insane. And they dress him up like a cow. And it's uh, it's something. Everything that you just said sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, <laughs> very bizarre and kind of disgusting kind of disturbing I, well, I would hope so but this i just love the names in this cast vietnam ron big ed walt dongo yeah man sir bigfoot george mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's that's where it's at right and there. most of them are alcoholics and drug addicts and they'll give them they'll pay them 50 bucks for a day's work and they'll buy them some booze that is the life yeah I highly recommend checking this movie out. I I am I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, Giuseppe makes a movie is the name of it, and you can seek out he. This is his Garbanzo Gas was his thirtieth movie, so you can find. Good lord! Yeah, you can you can find some of his movies. Uh, they're they're all over the place. So check it out. That's really all I have uh, that I wanted to mention. Let's move on and talk about some predictions. Let's do it. Black Hat, 
You said 71. I said 62. Actual 31. Ouch. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to see this. I was going to see it, but I was like, you know what? It just looks... You know, you know what's really funny? I was, I was looking forward to seeing this. Like, I actually... I was interested. The trailer had me interested. I wanted to go see it. And then the minute that I found out that it came out this weekend... I was just like, nah, I don't want to see that. Oh, I do was, that. I, I do that read, all the time. I didn't, that happens I didn't to me read any all reviews. the time. Nothing. I was just like, oh, Black Hat comes out this weekend? I don't want to see that. Yep. That happens to me so often. I don't, I don't know why, but yeah. I guess when I'm faced with the reality that I could make it happen, <laughs> I don't, it makes I you don't feel off. like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Paddington, you said 82. I said 72, actual 98. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Lord. Crazy. Those galoshes. They really, yeah. The Wedding Ringer, you said 42. Uh, I said 45, actual 33. Mm, not, mm-hmm. no. Not looking good. My girlfriend tried to talk me into seeing that one, and I was like, no, ma'am. I don't want anything to do with that. It just doesn't, it doesn't look funny to me. Wow. Yeah, I called my girlfriend ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Next week we have Mordecai. I oh. bet you're excited for this one. <laughs> A little J Depp action. Are you kidding me? What are you thinking on this, Mordecai? This looks What's the point cool. of this movie? I don't understand why it exists. No one does. It's just to get Depp out there, Is I guess. It's supposed to be like a Pink Panther type thing? I don't I have no idea what it's supposed to be. Honestly. I have no idea. I'm gonna say thirty. I'll say I'll say thirty six. It looks terrible. It does. The Boy Next Door, that's the one with Jennifer Lopez that looks equally why? equally terrible. Again, why does this exist? Like, why are we trying to, you know... I feel like it's the 90s all over again. I know. Like, why are we trying to bring back J-Lo's career? Boy Next like, Door. What, what do we owe J-Lo? Why is this happening? <laughs> what do we owe J-Lo? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's move uh, on. It's more like, what does she owe us? And the answer is boy next door. <laughs> but no, we didn't want it. Take Apparently it someone somewhere Take was that like... movie back. Get out of here. Oh, God. I'll say 32 on that one. I'll say 15. Yeah, I think you're probably going to be closer on that. It looks dreadful. We also have Cake. I don't know if that's getting a wide release or not. That's the one with Jennifer... Uh, jennifer aniston for some reason i go to say jennifer aniston and then all that pops into my head is jennifer lawrence and i'm like okay well that's not it it is the 90s this is this is the 90s uh so what are you thinking on cake oh 38 i'll say i'm not hearing good things no i'm not either i'll say 46 Ooh. And then we also have Strange Magic. I don't know if you saw the trailer for this. This is an animated film. I think Maybe I did see it was created by George Lucas. And this, it looks, looks awful. Oh my god, this looks so bad. It's all it's a musical, but it's all done. Oh, it's all covers. Oh, so Strange Magic is the the Bee Gees oh, song. It's inspired by Midsummer Night's Dream too. Yeah. But it's all like seventies pop, maybe maybe even this is, no maybe even before seventies no. pop. This is awful. Yeah, 
what are you thinking on this one? Or wait, did you you predicted the last one? I'll say forty. <coughs> I'll say forty-two. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Thirty-eight. Okay. And in limited release next week, we have Black Sea Mommy, which is uh, the Xavier Dolan one. Yes. I'm interested in that. Yes. I'm very interested in that one. Kill- I'm getting excited. Killers. That's the, the Mo Brothers one. I, oh, I, I did. Are we going to do that? Uh, yeah. We'll do that for next week's show. Yeah, we'll do that next week. I already saw That's... it, but I'll watch it again. I'll watch it again. Cancel. Jesus. Be professional. Song one uh, The Duke of Burgundy. The Humbling and the Atticus Institute. Okay. And it's, not, it's not bad. It's not bad. No, no. For January. For January. Not terrible. I think actually the Atticus Institute, I don't think that's hitting theaters. So let me take that well, off. This, I think it's this a, is what I this is what I like about January and February now. You get some you get some solid entries on the VOD level. Yeah. Since you're not really getting anything in the in the theater. Mm-hmm. I like I like that. Plus, it's it's really fucking cold. I don't want to go outside. Yeah, win win. Yep, I agree. Uh, VOD next week. Speaking of, we have the humbling, the Duke of Burgundy, Killers, will never have Paris. Veronica decides to die, and the Atticus Institute. So certainly check out the Duke of Burgundy and Killers. Uh, yeah, mm, I don't know about the other ones. Yeah, we'll never have Paris. Stuff. I believe is a romantic comedy. The Atticus Institute is a found footage horror film. All right, I, which I heard those are coming back. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, they're coming back. Twenty. If you thought twenty fifteen wasn't going to have some found footage horror, you, you sir, are sadly so mistaken. Oh boy, they're coming back with a vengeance. I already wrote a review for the Atticus Institute, so that'll be up. You, I'll, that, I'll probably post that up on Monday. Can you give us a little spoiler? Yeah, it's terrible. Uh-huh. It's terrible. It's not found footage. It's actually a mockumentary, but I consider oh, it to be the same thing. Do you do you have do you just have like a template now, where it's kind of like Mad Libs, where you just have a blank space for well, the I title feel it, it, and the character names? I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm. You just fill it in. <laughs> I feel like I'm pulling a Duke of Burgundy when I write these because it's I essentially write the same thing over and over. So I try. Not to do that, but it always ends up being me just railing against. But you know what? Like, pos- pos- it's a possession film too. So yeah, but like honestly, like why? Why should you have to put that work in if none of these films are? That's true. They're just regurgitating the same shit over and over. So just do the same thing to them. They don't deserve actual thought in a review. That's true. Stop making. I should. Them. I should start doing that. People would probably. People wouldn't get it though. They'd start yelling at me but no yeah uh next week on dvd and blu-ray we have annabelle i haven't seen that but i also heard not good things so that's the conjuring spinoff uh yeah the atticus institute like i said skip that the box trolls oh i'm looking i want to see yeah that. check that one out finally finally check it check it out yes. coherence absolutely check that out that was one of my top Definitely. tens of 2014 the drop you, it's a good one. You like that quite a bit. I didn't get a chance to see it yet. Solid. The, inter- Solid. the Internet's Own Boy. Uh, that's a documentary about Aaron Schwartz. Highly recommend that one. Did that get nominated yeah. for an Oscar? I think, no, I don't I, think I, it did. It was on the short list, but I don't know if it made it through. The Mule. Uh, recommend. Chicken. Chicken. Do, do you recommend The Mule? I recommend it. It's a light, light recommend. Yeah, light, light recommend for me. Lucy. 
actually haven't seen it. I I kind of want to see this. Yeah, I might check it. See this Lucy. Yeah, I'll probably watch it when it hits Netflix. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I like that. White Bird and Blizzard. Nah. (sighs) Nah. Nope. 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 Go back and you can hear our thoughts on that in more detail. Yes. Wolves. Do not recommend wolves. And the Zero Theorem. The Terry Gilliam. Oh my goodness! I think that this may be the last time we ever mention the Zero Theorem. So I really hope so. Take it in, honest. Kevin, because we're not going to be talking about it anymore. Oh, it's sad day. Sad day. That's what we need to do. Mm. We need to start putting movies in the vault and just never mentioning them on the show again. Just retire? Yeah. We need to just retire certain movies. Take them out. And reference take them out certain to, movies. Take them out to the field and just put a nice shotgun blast <laughs> through the face. Yep. Put two in the dig back it, of the head. Dig a ditch and throw them in there. No, I think that there were there was at least one Criterion I saw coming out. Oh, we got two, buddy. Two. We got two of them. We have a 1942 Palm Beach story from Preston Sturgis, mm. which I think is right up your alley. It's a wild tale of wacky wedlock. Oh, God. <laughs> are, you, are you trying to say that that's right up your alley? No, that's right up yours. Oh. It's all about you, bud. It's, it's Florida. Come on. You love I don't Palm live Beach. there anymore. So. And then another film that might be right up your alley, too, because I know you're a huge Guy Madden film guy, right? You loved Keyhole. No, I did. Big on that one. Well, My Winnipeg is coming out. This film from 2007, which I actually want to see this. And it has a fantastic uh, Marcel Dussama cover to it. Is that the... I think I saw that. Uh, like a one horse, with the horse. A horse? Yeah. 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 This one is... This one's interesting. I wouldn't. I wouldn't write. Doc, go. Go ahead. Docu fantasy. It's like a documentary slash fantasy film about his birthplace, Winnipeg. Hmm. It just sounds very interesting. Yeah, I would not write that guy off just because I didn't like one of his movies. No, no, no. Uh, I just like picking on you, but he does. He does so many different things that obviously, you know, some of them aren't going to work for you. But he's a very interesting filmmaker. He's all over the place. Trying new things, at least. More so than anyone else. Gotta like that. Gotta respect it. Gotta that. love it. Gotta respect Gotta it. Like, he, right now, he... I don't know if it was right now or, like, last year, but he was having this sort of, like, traveling show where he would... You could actually go. There were, like, installations where he was putting... He was making films that kind of died in development. Films that never got made. Mm. So he was just doing them doing them himself with like a cast and crew and you could go and watch him film it and everything, but he never actually came out with them. It was just the process of him making them. Hmm. It's interesting. It's an interesting guy. Yeah. Sounds like it. All right. Well, I think that that will wrap it up for this week. Next week we'll definitely be doing killers and, uh, maybe Duke of Burgundy again. Again. <laughs> just for same, same. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm just going to rip the, the audio that we did today and just put it put it in there uh, we'll probably... no, i want to i want to i want to do it where we, we say the exact same things but i say everything that you said and Ooh, you say everything that i said switcheroo i like that yeah and then you know we can we can reinterpret it i don't know if mommy's coming out on vod but may, if it is we'll do that i mean i'll i'll probably gonna see it in the theater but i i will not have that luxury no. All right, I think that'll do it. Send us your questions. Podcastfilmpulse.net is the address. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter 
at FilmPulseNet, at FilmPulseKevin. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson, and we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. This is directed by Peter Strickland, who did Barbarian. Hmm? (coughs) Trying to get a little break there. Okay. Get that cough out.